Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad to see you here today. As you know, this month we're using Annie Ricks Millett's book, Prosperity, to guide us not only in our own prosperity, but to, uh, to really think about prosperity from the inside out, not uh, somehow rearranging our lives in order to create or force prosperity, but as we learned last week, to have that prosperous mentality that as we prosper in our minds, as our thoughts are open, as our, as our largesse blooms from within, that's where the prosperity comes from. Being satisfied with what we have, being in love with our own lives, that's what brings more of those good things to us. Well, we're also going to talk about miracles today. Um, you know, sometimes just a good manifestation is what's needed, right? So Sometimes uh, it's time to just pull out all the stops and go for the gusto, i.e. a miracle. And uh, I want to read a story of a miracle from our book that we're using. I want to try it out on you. And I think we can use it, first of all, to decide how we feel about miracles, but I think it also uh, tips us off that if we want to see miracles in our lives, maybe what we have to change inwardly for that to happen. Uh, so it, the story is about a woman who had to pay an unjust bill for lumber used in building a little chapel. She hadn't money enough and all efforts to get more money failed, legal action threatened, and then during prayer, the money in her little box, she had a, a little savings box, a treasure box, it simply increased in amount until there was enough to pay the claim. So that's the bones of the story. That's the miracle. The money she had saved for the church funds in a little box multiplied, much in the way uh, in the story in the Bible of Jesus multiplying the loaves and the fishes. There was suddenly sufficient money in the box to pay the bill and save the church. So, how do you feel about that? Do you believe in miracles? Some of you are nodding. Quite a few of you are just going to wait <laughs> for, more, for more information, as they say. Well, let me continue just in the book just a little bit. The story startled everyone that heard it. Such a thing was unheard of in modern times, and doubt was freely expressed by some of the most earnest and thoughtful people present when the story was told. The doubt was not of God's power to do such a thing. Let, let me read this part again. The doubt was not of God's power to do such a thing, but the accuracy of her story. The woman in her excitement may have made a mistake. Some friend was maybe secretly helping, it was thought. Was she even used to counting those sums of money? Was the box locked up so that no one else could have access to it? She was probably a good woman, but rather excitable. Maybe she was prone to fancies. I'm not even sure what a fancy is. <laughs> but she might have been prone to them, right? 
And so questions and comments ran the gamut. But basically, the only one that believed in the miracle was the woman who had the miracle happen to her. I'm here to suggest that probably most of us are miracle killers. I know, don't call the police. (laughs) Donnie over there is ready to call 911. (laughs) If you think about it though, what, what would kill a miracle? Not believing that they're possible. Trying to find any other possible way to explain it. Trying in your own mind to to justify, well, no, that's not what happened. This must have been what happened. This must have happened. There must be a logical explanation that I can figure out in my own human mind of exactly how that could have happened. Basically, when we do that, we're saying that miracles are no longer possible. Okay, now a minute ago, I kind of asked you a question. Do you believe in miracles? And some of you nodded. Most of you just was like, I want more information. (laughs) So now I've given you more information. Are you ready for the miracle test? I will give you the miracle test. The answer to this test, only in your own mind, will tell you whether you're ready to accept a miracle or not. Okay, you ready? All right. So tomorrow morning, you get up, and for some reason you think, there's something waiting for me at the door. I don't know if it's an Amazon package or a note for a loved one in my mailbox, but I just got to check the front porch. I know there is something there for me. And you open the door, and there is a very packed grocery sack, a plain brown grocery sack. And it is filled with bundles of $20 bills. $250,000 just packed as much. And and I've calculated this out. They would fit in a grocery sack. (laughs) I calculated this out. I was going to tell the story around a million, but that wouldn't fit in there. But but $250,000 in packets of $20 bills will just fit nicely in an Albertson's bag. So that is on your porch in the morning. What do you do with the money? Answer the question in your mind. What do you do with the money? If you are ready for a miracle, you just deposit the money. If you are ready for a miracle, you just deposit the money. Why? Because you know it doesn't come at anyone else's expense. You know there's nothing wrong with it. You know that it's God's good pleasure to give you a blessing. You know that God does not have any strings attached to the good that God so freely gives. Okay, now now, uh, some of you are not looking very happy at Larry. You tricked me. (laughs) And I did a bit. Because most of us really are not ready for miracles. And, and my, I would say myself included in many ways, right? My mind is going, where did the money come from? 
is it stolen? Is, you know, is the mob going to be here on Tuesday and not only take the money, but, you know, my, my little finger with it? Or, you know, does this money need to find its rightful owner? Well, in miracle thinking, you are the rightful owner. In miracle thinking, there's no reason that God can't bless you. So the rest of my talk today, I think I would say, is to get ready to welcome in a miracle, not to be suspicious, right? Our suspicion is what kills it. Our suspicion and our doubt is what keeps it at arm's length. So how can we get ready for a miracle? Ah, I have a joke. So Dr. Bloomfield, who is known for extraordinary treatment of arthritis, always had a waiting room full of people. He was known as a miracle worker. Well, one day a new patient arrived, a tiny elderly woman, almost bent over in half, shuffled in slowly, leaning on a cane. When her turn came, she went to the doctor's office and amazingly, she emerged within five minutes, walking completely erect and with her head held high. Well, another woman in the waiting room who had seen all this rushed up to the elderly lady. It's a miracle, she said. You walked in bent in half, and now you look whole and perfect. What did that doctor do? The elder smiled and said, it is a miracle. He gave me a longer cane. <laughs> And so the first thing I want to talk about, the first thing I want to talk about is everyday miracles. Do we really care the source of something that relieves our pain, that puts our anxieties on hold, that fulfills a dream? Is not that in many ways a miracle? It's something we couldn't figure out ourselves. It's something that seemed elusive to us. It's something that we had perhaps prayed about or thought about or wished for for years. And all of a sudden, the pain is gone. The gift is there. The, the trip is being planned. Are those not everyday miracles? Something outside of your own ability to manipulate and figure out has suddenly blossomed into a marvelous demonstration of good, of light, of health, of wholeness. Is that not a miracle? So first of all, I want you to consider the miracles that are already in your life because they will pave the way. Your acceptance of them, your understanding of them will pave the way for further and even more dramatic miracles. God really is here to bless you on every level. It is through God showing up as your brother-in-law or showing up as this chance happenstance with which that need was fulfilled, that pain was removed, that desire was brought forward. How does God get God's business done in the human world? Well, through humans. It doesn't make it any less miraculous, though, that someone shows up in your hour of need or, uh, or the longer cane is presented to you, right? 
it's still a miracle. It's something that was outside of your own control and your own ability. It's God showing up, maybe in some way that you can't easily explain, like a longer cane, but is not your need satisfied in an almost miraculous way? The other thing I want to talk about are the miracles that really are more like miracles out of the Bible, something that just seems almost magical. And it's interesting, in the Prosperity book, Millet says there's nothing wrong with thinking that demonstrations are a kind of magic, but not magic that defies natural law, but rather magic that is part of the fabric of our everyday spiritual existence. And so if you want to think of a demonstration as magic, if the word miracle puts you off, she says, don't worry about what word is being used. Just know miracle or magic, there is good for you that you may not be able to explain the source. You may not be able to explain the why. Like the $250,000 showing up in a paper bag, you may have that level of a demonstration in your life and we can begin to prepare for it. We can begin opening our heart, opening our consciousness, and as Nancy said in her opening prayer, begin stretching our faith to be able to accept that level of miracles. And I'd like to give you a couple examples from my own life. One, uh, and, and here's a, perhaps a shameless self-promotion. In a couple Saturdays, I'm teaching my treasure mapping workshop. And I have to tell you, maybe it's just me, but I have seen several miracles in my own life coming about because of my treasure maps. And I will even illustrate a couple of them for you. Yes, these are old treasure maps of mine. And because I teach the class, I save them. Let me go back to three years ago. I did this treasure map. And I was at that point in my life where all of my friends had been to Europe, and gosh darn it, I'd never been. And so I was thinking, well, the treasure map is a combination of several things. One, I was working on my second novel, and so you'll see a lot of books in here. I was using the treasure map to really visualize and understand that other novel being written. But also you'll notice in here, back to the land, go to England and take everybody with you. And Here's a, a beautiful picture, I think, from Switzerland. And so part of this map was re really to bring about a trip to Europe. About three months after I completed this, I was invited to a writer's workshop in Wales. It's like, you can't make this up. <laughs> and what's really freaky is I was here this exact picture, I was there in Wales. This exact picture. These treasure maps are amazing. The other one I will quickly share with you. It's funny because this was even, a, uh, I think, one year before that. And I was really struggling again with this idea of being an author. And so you'll see books related in here. Oh, and by the way, I did get that book published too. Uh, 
Yeah, it, a absolutely, yeah. Uh, and I'm working on the third one still. Maybe I need to do another treasure wrap to finish off that third one. But you'll notice in the middle here, there's something that seemingly has nothing to do with books at all. And even when I was doing this treasure map, I remember thinking, well, I don't know how these images fit in, but I'm like drawn to them. And that's one of the rules of doing treasure mapping. When you're drawn to a picture, it's there for some reason, and you put it down. And if you can't explain it, that's okay. We just purchased a house down at the coast, and this is exactly what our backyard looks like. And other than this mountain needs to have trees on it, this is exactly what our front yard looks like. Think about this. <laughs> yeah, she, she's calling me Mulder's name from the X-Files. I am not that spooky. <laughs> so one of the tools you can use to really open your life, you're all invited, of course, to treasure mapping. It's Saturday after this Saturday. You can sign up online. Enough of the shameless self-promotion. The other thing I want to talk about, though, is prayer. I think prayer is discounted all the time as something that can help you with a miracle. And I will tell you, in particular, the Science of Mind five-step treatment that we do, it is designed to open your heart. It is designed to create within you an alignment with spirit. And those are the elements for ushering in a miracle. It uses that old hermetic principle, as above, so below. It's magical in many ways. It's a five-step prayer that we teach. And I will tell you that there have been really biblical-sized miracles in my life because of prayer as well. And I want to share one of them with you today. And now it's time for audience participation. So many of you have been here for a number of years. I've told these two stories before. So those of you who have heard the lost dog story and the healed dishwasher story, I, I, I want to use a, a sort of applause meter. So, so which story do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the lost dog story? Or the healed dishwasher story? Okay, lost, lost dog it is. All right, all right. I mean, I have plenty of everyday miracles, but these stories are miracles. So the lost dog story started about 10 years ago, and I had an 18-year-old, small, four-pound silky terrier. And she had gone completely blind and was not the kindest dog because of dementia had set in as well. And so here I was with this ancient little dog, kind of the caretaker, but, you know, she was my dog. I love that little thing, even though she had turned kind of grumpy. Uh, those of you may remember her, remember she was a biter too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a lot not to like with her, but she was my dog, and I love that dog. And one day, the person who came to read the meter at our house left the gate open. And so I looked high and low in the house, I went out, she had a dog door. Uh, I went out in the yard, there the gate was open. It was December 20th. It was four in the afternoon, which as you know in Oregon means it was starting to get dark. 
And it was going to be 28 degrees that night. And, uh, and I looked everywhere. Uh, uh, I called a friend and we did like some weird kind of, you know, canvassing the neighborhood in spirals around. Um, yeah, I had really, really given up hope. My, my friend, uh, stayed, she did have a caller with a, a phone number on it. So my friend stayed at the house while I continued combing the neighborhood. We were about a block from Sandy, Sandy Avenue, which of course is very busy traffic. And so I walked up and down, you know, with that, that fear that I would find her by the side of the road. But now it was completely dark. Um, I had to go back in the house and put a, a, like an overcoat on because I'm freezing. And I really figure that's the end of little Sophie. But you know what? I had been in science of mind newly and I had taken, uh, well, at that time it wasn't called the foundations class, but it was the basic class in science of mind. And we had just learned how to do the five-step prayer. And, uh, and so it, it hit me, well, uh, I should pray about this. If nothing else, I can pray for my own sense of uh, just being okay in my body, that I had not caused this problem, that, that it wasn't my fault, you know, my own peace of mind. And so I sat down in the, the front stoop of our porch, freezing cold, and did a prayer. I did a prayer for the safety of my little dog and for my own heart to heal. And I still remember one of the key phrases that I used in that. I said that I knew that Sophie was held in the arms of love. I knew that she was safe, that she was secure, and that wherever she was, she was held in the arms of love. And as I said that word, she bounded up the front steps. I swear she had not been there. Of course I had looked in the yard. Of course I had done everything, calling her name, and, you know, I knew she wasn't there. And yet, a miracle, she literally jumped into my arms. So let no one tell you that we are not in the age of modern miracles because I know that we are. And if invited, I'll tell you the miraculous healing of the dishwasher story <laughs> some other time. I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you ready for a miracle? Yes. Thank you. I think you are. I think that our hearts are open enough. I think that our spirit is strong enough. And I think that our beliefs are solid enough that we can expect the best, even miracle level best, always. Well, I want to close today with uh, homework. Now, I've never done this before, but I'm assigning your homework to come to my treasure mapping class. We're going to have such fun. So if you're game for it, you can sign up for it online. Uh, but what I do want to do is close with a responsive reading today. And I, I've asked uh, Kristen if she would come up and help me with this. This is another, I think, heart-opening exercise that gets us ready 
for having a miracle in our lives. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out reading a, a sentence and Kristen will be your leader in responding. Make sense? Just like we're doing one of those responsive songs, except uh, just orally, just the words. Okay. This is Ernest Holmes. It comes from Living the Science of Mind. So please repeat after me. Good and more good is mine. Good and more good is mine. An ever-increasing good is mine. An ever-increasing good is mine. There is no limit to the good that is mine. There is no limit to the good that is mine. Everywhere I go, I see good. Everywhere I go, I see good. I feel it. I feel it. I experience it. I experience it. It crowds itself against me. It crowds itself against me. It flows through me. It flows through me. And it expresses itself in me. And expresses itself in me. It even multiplies itself around me. It even multiplies itself around me. Good and more good is mine. Good and more good is mine. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, just this one good that we've been talking about. I call it God. And God is present always. In every person, every place, everything, every situation, there is God, there is good to be seen, to be felt, and to be had. I know it's the truth of who I am, And I am here as a loving witness to everyone else. God is also here for all of us. I give thanks for this truth. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.